and gentlemen, and welcome to Bethel Radio Hour, where Bible study and radio collide. Tonight in our segments, we will be discussing Romans chapter 7, verses 22 through 25, discussing current events, and then conversing on raising children. I am Molly Kingston, your producer, and joining me on the panel is Pastor Ben Kingston, Brother John Yerke, and Mr. Ryan Mayberry. We have John Yerke back tonight because Dr. Gavin Hooks is out. Please pray for him as he's getting over some sickness. So gentlemen, riddle me this. Why is Europe like a frying pan? Europe, why is Europe like a frying pan? Okay, so dad said, because something is always sizzling. Uh, that is not the right answer. Ryan, thinking real deep. Right? Yeah, I got nothing. Okay, they didn't get it yet. So if anyone in the audience thinks that they know the answer, you can text the number on the screen. You mean mine wasn't right? Yours was not right. It was not that something is sizzling. <laughs> so we encourage audience members to text any questions or input about all topics of discussions that we broach. And as always, if you listen later online, please comment or answer on the Facebook post and then like and share so others can join in on the fun. Also, I wanted to plug, we had a special... It's not technically a Thanksgiving uh, BRH, but it was during our... For all practical yeah, purposes. Yeah, for all right. practical purposes it, it was. It was me, Dad, and Terry Yerke. We got together and reacted to Brother Larry Barker's sermon that he gave two weeks ago at Bethel. So cool. if you want to check fun. that out, make sure you go to either our podcast on Apple or Spotify or go to BethelLondell.com um, and listen to BRH. You'll find that there. Because we didn't do a live audience on that one. It was just an online special. So our first session tonight, Romans 7, verses 23 through 25. Yep. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, Paul says, warring against the law of my mind. And, you know, there's been a pushback in our society since all of the prevalent wars that we have they get offended, and I think this is justly so. They get offended when someone flippantly re, uh, categorizes what happens on the playing field as a war. You know, those those boys went to battle tonight in a football game. And veterans are sitting in the stands who have literally been in a battle, and they're like, no, no, they, they didn't go to battle. So in all due respect to that verbiage and the such, Paul is saying that, that this is a literal war, if you will, in your flesh and in your spirit in trying to obey the law and trying to obey God's law uh, and bringing me into captivity. And that's what one side does to the other when they win, to the law of sin which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, Paul says, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Question mark. I thank God, he says, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. And so we'll just dive in here. Uh, anybody want to give any what would, pre-thoughts before we go in phrase by phrase here? I feel like law is kind of the uh, operative word here because he, he uses it so many times, but then also, what does it mean? He says uh, in verse 21, I find then a law that evil is present within me, the one who wills to do good. I think he's basically just saying that that's the natural, the natural law. That's the way of the world. That's the way everyone is. They all have, if they have Christ, a voice within them trying to urge them to do good and overcome their most basic desires, but everyone also has these basic desires warring against them at the same time. So I think that's the law that he's talking about, being just um, a self-described fact. Yeah, I mean, uh, so yes, I guess you would say that's the, the, the law of, of the sinful nature. Is that what you're getting at? I think, but the well, word that law, he two, just... there's two, right? Yeah. That he, you have the law of nature, which is a sinful nature, and then yeah. the law I think of God, by, by which is By law of nature, I'm saying that it's just the way that it is. It's the way that things are designed. You can't supersede it. It's just the way, you know, right. everyone has the law fighting against 
goodness, and if you're saved, you have the law fighting for goodness, if that makes sense. Yeah, okay, so, well, and he's going to get into that, uh, that essentially, I mean, the law of God is the spirit of God inside of you telling you what to do. Mm. And then then you have the law of God, which is the word of God, uh, the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, if you will, the Ten Commandments. And, and specifically in Romans 6, 7, and 8, he's, he's referring to the written law of God so that we know that there's a right way and a wrong way to live. And, and he, you know, he's building up this treaty that if it wasn't for that law of God, I wouldn't have realized I was a sinner you know, because of my nature. Mm-hmm. Because my nature tells me, you're good. You, know, you do what you want to do. Uh, respond to the urges of the flesh. Respond to the appetites of the flesh. Uh, go go for it, you know, all these things. You deserve a break today. and uh, But then the law, the, the written law of God comes to us and says, no, uh, that's the way of death. But then when you try to get right, the law, the written law of God has no power to get you right. Certainly within the law of our flesh, we have no power. The law, nature's law, have no power to get right. But then the law of God, which is the spirit of God, n- now you have the power to overcome. And, and I, I think, again, obviously, we're probably saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and very honestly, 6, 7, and 8 is very confusing. I, it, it makes me hurt, you know, to try to really make sure I'm, I'm getting this right. And that's why I rely so much on the Warren Wiersbys of the world and the uh, John MacArthur's of the world and the such. You know, th- this first phrase in 22, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Uh, and so I put in parentheses here, the power is not in the law nor in the flesh. We don't have any power within our flesh to do the right thing, and we don't find power in the law of God to do the right thing. The only power we find is when the Spirit of God is relied upon. And, and basically, we're just going to... That, that, that's the treaty, if you will, that we're going to keep saying. Because he says, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. So, you know, Paul is trying to, I think, express this confusion as well. And the, re- the reality of, uh, you know, if God doesn't break through, if the Spirit of God doesn't break through, we really don't have any hope of living a life of sinlessness. And I think you know what I mean by that. Um, striving to sin less is what I should say. Well, and I think this too talks about, like, if we are saved... We have that power, but it's talking about how even when we have the power, we have to utilize it in order for it to actually bring our members into yes, submission. Yes, it in, in no way implies that once you're saved that you're destined to do the right thing. Correct. It still says both sides are warring against. It even says, uh, where is it at? Uh, warring against the law of my mind, bringing me, bringing me into captivity of the law of sin, which is in my members. This is a, a saved person saying that. He That's is right. in captivity of the law of his members. Yeah, just jump in. So the word is yield. The, the, if we don't yield to the spirit, then we're going to stay in that captivity. Mm-hmm. You know, because it is. It's, it's warring against us. It's fighting against us. So, yeah, that I took it as, like, he's talking about spiritual warfare, right? Correct. And that is a, that is a very real, be, everyday battle. Every and day. I think the, at least for me, <clears throat> um, a big misconception was, you know, when you're a Christian, you don't have that. that Sunshine and roses. Yeah, it's just, it's easy street. And mm. it, it couldn't be more wrong that. It's right. actually harder. It's right. actually harder. It's That's right. It's harder, and it's it's more of a challenge. Like you set the bar higher for yourself, and it, it, uh, you should want to meet that standard. Amen. And that that's a hard thing to do. And if you're not careful, at least with me, I think, well, okay, I'm not getting it right. I, I, I'm just not a true Christian. I'm mm-hmm. I'm not going to heaven. Like I'm failing, and that in itself is kind of spiritual warfare in the thought of. Well, my deeds, like, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Uh, <clears throat> but you should try to hit that mark every day, and it's harder. Mm-hmm. It's very hard. Right. Most Christians do not believe that they can win. Most Christians do not believe that they can do the life that God has called them to do. That's why that illustration of the pike that was, you know, cap- captured and was fed uh, in its environment 
and then a glass cylinder was put around it uh, and, and forbidden to eat, it convinced itself, I'll never have another fish. And it settled to the bottom, and then they, re- they moved the cylinder, and fi- bait fish were swimming by its eyes, but it already made up its mind, I- I'm not going to eat again, and it starved to death. And a lot of Christians are in that. They've gone through this, what Paul's gone through, but they've come up with the wrong answer. You know, I, I can't do this. Well, okay, that is the right answer. You can't do it, but that doesn't mean the God within you cannot do it, you know. Right. And I understand what you're trying to say with the whole war verbiage, mm-hmm. that we want to respect the difficulties that our veterans sure. have suffered in war. But at the same time, many times in Scripture, the forces of good and evil are mm-hmm. described. It, it is a battle. It is a spiritual yeah. battle. And it's not one that we see, and it's not one that we don't typically, we don't typically have physical... But there is a mental toll, and there is most definitely a spiritual toll in that battle, and that's where I think a lot of times we're not equipped for the spiritual warfare. And it just reminds me of like the John Piper video that you know, mm-hmm. make war, make war, right? Well, and and uh, so I, what, I, what I was trying to express with that situation with the veterans was that I do believe this is an accurate. I, I don't believe that they are offending veterans by using this terminology. Mm. I, I agree with them that, that to use it for a football field, yeah, that's a little stretch. But, uh, but in this situation, I mean, life and death, you know, literally is on the line because if the devil can convince you and I to mail it in today because we're not going to be victorious, we may not share the gospel with somebody. Mm. And, 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 you know, eternity is affected by that. So, I, yes, it, it's, it's very real. And, and it's... You could argue <laughs> that it's more real than what goes on in this temporary planet, okay? Right. B- because what we do as Christians affect eternity, and, and that's real. You know, uh, Paul is very clear on that in other epistles. What you and I can see is temporal. What you and I can't see is eternal. And so we should live for those things that are eternal. Well, then he... he uh, one thing I want to point out here, the captivity comes from the reality of your flesh wanting the urges and appetites that the law forbids, but there's no sustaining power in the law or our flesh to deny ourselves. Therefore, we tire and give in. And that's something that both Wiersbe and, and MacArthur pointed out. When you and I try to live this Christian life by the flesh, we get tired and we give up. You know, we mail it in. Okay, you're right. I can't do it. And then we give in to whatever that vice is that we struggle with. So that's why he says, oh, wretched man that I am. The desperation is real. Every one of us at this table have felt that desperation of, I can't do this. And, of course, you know, the old saying is, and then God has us right where he wants us. Because his spirit says, you're right. You, you can. So give it to me. Let me do it through you. And it's an, it was encouraging to me um, and to think about, Think of all the heavy hitters in the Bible, if you will. Like, you guys have done segments on uh, Mount Rushmore of mm-hmm. favorite right. Bible characters, whatever. Like, if you th- if you look into them, they weren't perfect. Like, they had their major issues that mm-hmm. everyone today kind of struggles with, if that's your vice, as you want to say it. Um, so even the disciples, you could go through that list. They weren't perfect, but you hear a disciple, and you think, well, they were perfect. Well, no, they weren't. No. They struggled like all of us did, and it kind of makes me feel like well, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm, you know, I'm keeping up with a disciple. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? I mean, I think like only Enoch and right. Jesus probably were the only ones, and we can't even say that Enoch was perfect. He was still human. He saw the, the sinful nature, but what's written of him in the Bible doesn't show us any of his shortcomings. But so the, definitely everyone else. There's two men that have not experienced death, Elijah and Enoch. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a whole other segment to get into I was going to say, we're going to talk about them right. coming back at end so, times. And then he, get, he says, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Uh, that's not really, you know, it's a rhetorical question. Because he knows the answer, and we all know the answer. Jesus well, Christ he, is the one. He answers it. I yeah, thank yeah, God right. through Jesus mm-hmm. Christ our Lord. But, but let, let's settle in on this for a moment. Uh, who shall deliver me? Uh, that is the Greek word rehoamai. It means set free. And John MacArthur talked about that uh, Paul was raised basically across the street from Tarsus. Tarsus 
had an ancient tribe that the way they punished murderers is they would lash the body of the slain person that they murdered to them so tightly that it couldn't be removed. And over a period of days and weeks, the, the infection from that dead body decaying would overcome the live murderer. So, uh, so what, what, he, what he's getting at is, is that Paul is trying to paint a picture here that when it comes to the law of sin and death, it's like my dead, decaying nature has been tied to my body. And right before I was overcome with the infection that would come from that, Jesus set me free, you know. And so uh, I, to me, that, that's beautiful, and, and, and it's a good thing. And, and so because if you're not careful, okay, I thank God that Jesus, you know, Christ our Lord. No, no, no. I thank God. I mean, I, I was delivered. I was set free, Rohamai, uh, from this death. Comments? So then with the mind, I myself serve the Lord, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Now, both authors that I read today uh, stated very clearly, Paul is not trying to say that you and I are in a dichotomy as much as the simple order or reality is it's not an impossible choice. So it's not one of those things that you're just relegated to live this life that you're going to you know, you're going to struggle every day, and you're going to give in most days. No, no, not at all. In fact, yes, you'll struggle, but because of the being set free by Christ, you can overcome most days. You can, again, you can sin less. Uh, to, it's not an impossible choice each day, but to, the, but to be by the discipline of yielding to the Holy Spirit's dominance over your mind, will, and emotions each day. And we get back to that dominant spirit. You know, uh, the, your spirit, as your spirit is connected to the Word of God and the Spirit of God, your urges and appetites have to submit to that leadership of the Spirit. That's what I've got, guys. Those were all good comments. Any additions that we didn't cover? I don't think so. I, I don't think so. <laughs> Ooh. I think I fell asleep though at the end. I, I don't know why. I wasn't born. I just <laughs> yeah, just whatever. I'm losing it. <laughs> and so we're gonna we're gonna tackle chapter eight next. Um, and hopefully we should get through all of it by the end of BRH. We may even have some extra time to cover some other um, chapters after that. So current events. I have a fun one. Scientists are reincarnating the woolly mammoth to return in four years. This is from The Popular Mechanics, written by Tim Newcomb uh, in January of this year. The long-dead woolly mammoth will make its return from extinction by 2027, says Colossal, with a biotech company actively working to reincarnate the ancient beast. Last year, the Dallas-based firm scored an additional $60 million in funding to continue the, well, mammoth mammoth gene editing work it started in 2021 if successful not only will colossal bring back an extinct species but the company one the company dubs a cold resistant elephant but it'll also reintroduce the woolly mammoth to the same ecosystem in which it once lived in an effort to fight climate change according to the recent medium post and then to it's fight climate. How is that going to fight climate change? That's my well, okay, question. So colossal they, they complain about the cows, but they want to bring back <laughs> woolly mammoths. Well, well, yeah, and they definitely create more gas than the cows do. Colossal <laughs> calls the woolly mammoths vast migration patterns an active part of preserving the health of, Ar of the Arctic. And so bringing the animal back to life can have a beneficial impact on the health of the world's ecosystem. While Colossal originally hoped to reintroduce the woolly mammoth into Siberia, the company may explore other options based on the current political framework of the world. So I don't know what that means, hmm. where they're going to put it instead. But That was going to be my question. Where would they start it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Siberia would be a great place. All I want to know is when are they going to open season? Mm. <laughs> 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 to draw a tag. Yeah, right. if that's their end game, I'm all in. Uh, but, you know, the whole thing of uh, saving Mama Earth, I... I just I struggle with it almost every day because it's in our face every day. every day, and I still nobody's been able to convince me of 
any of the things that they're saying is happening, that they're actually happening. Um, I mean, I was completely unaware of the term gaslighting until all of this climate change stuff started and, you know, now we're being told this is the best economy that we've ever lived in and, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, that's gaslighting. Mm -hmm. They're looking you in the face and lying to you and expecting you to go, oh, thank you. I just misunderstood, you know. No, uh, we're being lied to uh, hand over fist. Uh, so but it anyway. would still be really cool if they brought the woolly mammoths it back. It would be cool. Outside of the climate Til issues. you with their... <laughs> Holy you musks. probably they're gonna have to build up their population before you can hunt them, and oh, you okay. you probably won't make it that long. I, well, I probably oh. won't. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just thinking it'll take a long time for them to get the population up to where it would need to be. Yeah, uh, they are reintroducing elk to Missouri. Yeah, I was gonna say that's a true story. Like an elk project. Yeah, yeah, Sweet. I'm for all, I'm all for that. What do you got, Dad? Uh, SEC bias. <laughs> I, I am fully immersed right now. I'm going to give you a real quick explanation because I know nobody in this room probably cares. But, and I get it. It's fine. Uh, but the SEC has won uh, 14 championships out of the last 17 years. And this is the last year uh, that basically the teams will be picked by a committee to be in the playoffs. Next year, there will be a 12-team. I mean, they'll pick those 12 teams, but there'll be more teams. And in my humble opinion, looking at the past, 14 out of the last 17 years, uh, SEC teams have won the championship. Uh, once they allow enough teams to get in, that means at least two SEC teams will get in each year. I don't think there will be another uh, winner out of a, the SEC conference. That's my humble opinion. Uh, but everybody else outside of the SEC always – cries, uh, you know, you got SEC bias. Well, really, it's just SEC dominance. So, there you go. If you're the best, you're the best. That's I mean. it. That's it. Tip your hat and go on. So, you? mine was going to be, I'm going to pull an audible here. Mine was going to be hunting because it is the season. The season. Yeah. But I'm going to, like, you just, why is everything in your face? You just oh. made that comment. So, I'm just going to kind of freestyle it and get opinions uh why do you think everything is just in your face like all the time and you can use your imagination fill in the blank i think it's just distraction yeah but from what well, uh, yes well so uh 30 years ago somebody it's a roman circus right somebody brought to attention i guess it's in mein kampf uh hitler's book but hitler said if you repeat something often enough, no matter how untrue it is, people will start to believe it. That's true. And that's what we're seeing. I, I believe that. But who's turning these wheels and why? So I think it's part of. How deep do you want to go? I could go. Illuminati. <laughs> I think it's part of the, like, the left-wing ideology that everything is political, so everything is a power struggle. So then right. they want to infuse that into every. Don't let a mm. catastrophe go to waste. Yeah, whether it's entertainment or art or. Um, politics, whatever, what, um, anything they inject it into gets destroyed by itself, but that's part of their worldview, I think, is just everything is political. So then they try to force that worldview on everybody else. Mm -hmm. And removing this, if it can all just be destroyed, it can be rebuilt. Mm -hmm. Correct. They would want into their image. Correct. I think that's what it is. I think they're just trying to tear down our society, like the society that the Founding Fathers set up, so that they can then rebuild. And I think it's leading to the one world government. Mm -hmm. I think it's leading to all of the fun stuff that, you know, crazy conspiracy theorists yeah. believe. I think it's leading to all of that. I believe the alien invasion is coming. You know, <laughs> something weird is going to happen. I'm not going to disagree with that. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> all right, Ryan, you want to finish us up? Yeah, mine's not, it's as, not as exciting. Yeah, no, well, not, it's interesting. Uh, I haven't been keeping up with much news-wise at all lately, but the, uh, I wonder why. a little busy. But uh, there is actually a new movie coming out that I'm interested in seeing, which is pretty uncommon. But it's uh, it's on Daily Wire Plus. It's called Lady Ballers. I don't know if you guys have seen, seen the, the trailer. You've seen the trailer. I listen to Crane and Company every morning at nice, 6:30. Nice. So it's basically the after my quiet time. I just yeah. Remember. The uh, the idea of is there's a washed-up high school basketball teacher that nobody likes. 
But then he finds out from his eight-year-old daughter that men can pretend to be women and play in women's sports. So then he forms this team of other washed-up basketball players and makes this dominant team and goes to the WNBA. And it's a big comedy based around that, mocking the whole idea of transgenderism. So it looks very, very funny. So like it comes that. out Friday. I'll probably be watching it. Yeah. I think recently there was another transgender man who destroyed one of the records yeah. in women's sports yeah. and I yeah I just mm -hmm. again in your face it happens all the time now yeah and and it deserves to be mocked I mean it's yeah. a ridiculous yes it does I, I we probably need to give a, a it's our is it yeah. oh yeah I would say probably yeah, yeah. it's our and and you know it's I'm not Wire saying though, don't though. watch it right I'm just saying it's adult content oh, sure. is what I'm trying sure. to share with you uh, uh John mom says it's Satan the, Very the, true. Re the Very reason true. why everything is in our face <laughs> is because it's be Satan. Satan. Yeah. At Travis. the root of it, yes. Satan. <laughs> okay. Very good current event. Um, the mystery topic. We, everyone is on the wheel tonight. And we have. The wheel of mystery. <laughs> Look at you. Maybe not. Oh, it's you! Is it, it then? So Look at that! So close! Even clapping for and me. it would have so even honored. worked with what we mine would have worked with what we've been talking about. It's fine. Go ahead. Mine's not going to work at all, but That's it's okay. a really good mystery topic. So, uh, Dawn and I have started something. We'll see if we continue with it. The hope is to do it for a year. Uh, every morning we wake up. Of course, we do a quiet time, but we also try to give five things that we're thankful for that happened the day before. And that comes from Gordon McDonald's book, uh, Lord Change My Attitude. And uh, Gordon McDonald uh, was one of the most successful pastors on the planet. I didn't realize how successful he was till I basically read his biography. I'm sorry, bio about him. It wasn't something he wrote about himself. But uh, at one point, he had thirty to 40,000 real people coming to satellite you know campuses uh on a sunday morning and uh he had a worldwide ministry they traveled all over uh he had a weekly broadcast called the elephant's room where pastors would come together and, and answer hard questions things of that nature well uh it was a great run until it wasn't and um there was a group of people that got very disenchanted with james and started a podcast called The Elephant's Debt. And the accusation was that, I mean, and, and James admits it, that him and the trustees of the church put the, the church, I mean, because you can imagine that many people, tithes and offerings, there was a lot of money to oversee. But they were doing a lot too, so they went into debt and didn't tell the church. You know, it, it, it wasn't, the church wasn't run, if you will, like Bethel Baptist churches ran and many, many other churches are ran. They wouldn't vote on stuff monthly. They wouldn't vote on stuff yearly. The trustees, the elders ran the church. But, as you can imagine, uh, several of the people took, you know, issue with them just going out and putting them in debt mm. without any... You know, hey, Kinda guys, just, just so you know, <laughs> you know, uh, keep those letters and cards coming in. All that said, here's the question. Because James, Mac James McDonald has produced some outstanding, outlandishly good Bible study material. Can you still use a minister's material that has been, you know, defrocked uh, in the such? What's you guys' opinion? As long as, maybe as long as the material isn't dealing with money management. There you go. You know, if, if, <laughs> right. If, that's, if it's not dealing in the place that they failed at, maybe. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'd be hesitant. I'd still listen, but I would. it would be in the back of my mind the whole time. Uh, but, yeah. I mean, okay, I understand. Uh, the Bible is spiritually inspired or like yeah, yeah, the Holy right. Spirit inspired yeah. the Bible writing. But we still, they were written by men with shortcomings. 
And we still use, mm-hmm. like, think of Solomon and all of his writings and his shortcomings that mm-hmm. went along with that. And we still view him as the wisest man to sure. ever live. And that's because God made him the wisest man to ever live. Right. But, I mean, even like David with his shortcomings with Bathsheba and things like that, we still call him a man after God's own heart. I think... And I you think know, the key to that, too, is that he was repentant about it. I don't know if right. James McDonald is or if he thinks he did the right or wrong thing. If he wholeheartedly kept pushing forward that he did the right thing and then tried to start no, teaching, I, I think then he I has, would be pretty hesitant. I, I think what he has admitted is that he made mistakes. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, it, th- there's this one particular woman that, I mean, they, she just put a target on his back and went after it, you know. And I, I take issue with that. You know, and the such. With that said, and and I'm not saying she's wrong. I'm I'm saying I can bring scripture to bear that. Right. I, that know. feels a whole lot like uh, the speck in the log issue. Yeah. Yeah. So, John, did you have a comment? For I would. I would stick with it. Um, yeah. I think those were good comments. And if, like Ryan said, if as long as it's maybe not the topic, because we're all sitting up here, and if everybody listening in in here knew what I've done wrong. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right, would you right. still listen to I mean, me? like, if, if we are going to accept God's grace and forgiveness for our faults, you know, forgive us this day our debts as we forgive our debtors. Like, we right. need to go ahead and forgive. And again, like, you're not asking, do we forgive them? You know, like, no, we no, obviously, you're, that's Bible's not the question. Clear on that. But I still think that we'll, it, it can also translate into going ahead and, and continuing to support them or listening to them. Right. And, and you can. You, what would you say? Eat the meat, but not the bones. Yeah. So, we're because I dealt with this years ago uh, when this happened, because I was pretty much following a lot like John MacArthur. I, w- I was taking his stuff and using it. I was I was growing as a result of it. I was th- that's where I would go type thing to to get my meat, if you will. And so, for me, you've got to separate it from the person. Is what they shared was it biblical? If it was biblical, it's still biblical. Right. You know, and, and and so, you know, because uh, folks, God, I mean, God forbid, and, and I hate this about the reality of our situation. If it if it's not for the grace of God, there go we, you mm-hmm. know, so we, we could be defrocked, you know, next week, next month, next year. That doesn't mean that everything we said up to that point that we made the very bad choice, it was not accurate and good for other people to take. So and it's so easy to set someone up too. Yeah. Uh, and the phones, this is a perfect example because if you look at what I've looked up, it's nothing bad. But I could be going through YouTube and there could be something come up like <sighs> spring break, whatever, and it's a bunch of girls in bikini. Well, okay, this goes to the firehouse with me right. and it hears what everyone says right. and it goes into an algorithm. Right. So if someone wanted to set me up for some sort of something, right. it could be done. Right. 100% could be done. I, I'm convinced a pastor in Mississippi had that exact thing done uh, because yeah. he, he was, God was using him kind of like uh, Falwell back in the day with the moral majority. This guy was had the pornography industry on the run in Mississippi. And lo and behold, they found some pornography on his computer. Mm. And, and I refuse to believe that he did it. I believe they set him up. So, so yes, that, that can absolutely happen. Um, and I think we've got to take precaution and, and be careful on all that. Um, so I had another thought, but it flew out the door. So, I mean, just on that last one, it just reminded me when I went to Passion, well, was, I think it was the last year I went, but they were doing a push against um, sex trafficking. And they talked about how they used to have a website that was, or a, a a helpline that was maybe like one 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 one, and then the the porn industry or whatever did another helpline that was like a one 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 zero. So like anything, something that's yeah. close because they do they when you target them they fight back for sure. Dawn can remember when I came home and John MacArthur was selling a resource that I wanted, and he gave the number. And of course, this was before the day of cell phones. And I run into the house, and I said, Dawn. Dialed it. I gave the number. She dialed it, and on the other hand, is uh, girls like sex talk too. And she goes, <laughs> "What are you having me call?" And so she missed it by one number, you know. Yeah. And there it was. Yeah. And I'm like, "Hang up." <laughs> you know, it's not John McArthur. <laughs> so anyway, 
uh, and, and had we not been standing right next to each other, who knows if we would have <laughs> believed the other, you know. But that was that was funny. Yeah. Well, I think the short answer to your question is yes. We yeah, can still yeah, use. Yeah. I, I, and I'll I figured. Yes. Mm-hmm. I figured, but but I mean, unfortunately, in this day and age, because guys, uh, James McDonald is not the only big-time pastor mm-hmm. that has struggled in the last 10 years. Uh, Bill Hybels at, at uh, Willow Creek in Illinois, biggest church in the world back in the day. And uh, he, he did something inappropriate, and he's admitted it, and, and, and he's done, you know. Well, you're telling me all that teaching that he did is, is trash? No. Right. You know, even the even people who... I don't know, say they're not Christians, but they have a real secular outlook. They don't really have any ground to stand on in this because they forgive all these athletes who do all this wrong, all these actors, actresses, fill in the blank. So if they're willing to just, eh, let's overlook that for them, Mm -hmm. how can you hold this guy to the coals and just erase everything that his life's work has Right, like you've mm-hmm. changed lives That's for eternity. Right. Absolutely, like you said. Again, it's Satan, right? Because if he Satan. can't keep you from being lost, he'll keep you from being right. There's a word you say in that phrase. I can't remember what it is. Uh, oh, yeah, I can't remember that either. Right now, it'll come to me. the The last thing I want to say on this is that you look and see what they're doing now. Uh, Jimmy Swaggart, he, he got, you know, shown for who he was. He repented. Everyone forgave him. He got caught again, okay? And, and so his ministry went down for quite a while. It, it is starting to build back up, but not because of him, but because of his wife, his son, and, and many others. Uh, but he is meeting, and he was very honest in the, uh, and I'm, I remember now the other thought, but he's, he's very honest, James McDonald is, in what he's doing now, and that is, is once a week he meets at a, place and he works with addicts i mean good navy you know that, that's good stuff it really is but oh he, he's still struggling you know he, he's got one of his counselors said he basically have has ptsd from because the last several years before he got fired it was just constant fighting with staff fighting with his board it, it was ugly nasty and and i can't imagine mm. i truly cannot imagine he flippantly, jokingly, and now this is his opinion, flippantly, jokingly said about this lady that did the podcast, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plant some child porn on her, you know, computer. And that got turned into, he's threatening to put child porn on her computer, you know. Now, who knows where the truth is? We, we don't know. Uh, but, you know, I dare say we've all said stuff in our protected corners that if, it, if the light was shown on it, would sound really bad. Yeah. You know? Well, I think we can all just agree that child porn is just never should be said flippantly. I agree. No. I, I agree. But but still, you know. We, right. I, there's, there's still, I like you said. I know I have had some very crass things said that I, after, you know, I think about it like, Lord, help. Oh, well, I, you Lord, know, have, all right. you kids, I'll say, don't repeat me on that. <laughs> so anyway, all moving right. along. Oh, very good. Very good. Okay. So. Our break game is it's a it's an improv so game. Nervous about Just this. it's yeah, you this. don't need to be nervous. So it is an improv game that is called questions only. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna just the theme is Thanksgiving. So it can be anything about Thanksgiving. It can be what you experience, what you eat. It could also be nothing that you've experienced, but just something about Thanksgiving. But it's gotta Whatever. be in the form of a question. And but every comment needs to be in form of a question. Does it need to be a coherent conversation? Not necessarily. And I did Google this. Are we going to do the foul thing? So what I'm thinking is that if you ask something that's not in a question, I might just buzz you and ask you to try again. Right. We're not going to drop out. We only have like two minutes to do this anyway. So we're just, this is just a game. This is a no stress, low stakes game. So what did you guys do for Thanksgiving? Is there really any way to eat? Is there a wrong way to eat dressing? Are you going to put gravy on it? Is that real gravy? Why wouldn't you eat stuffing instead? Because stuffing is not real dressing. Oh, oh so that's a foul. <laughs> foul, try that's again. A foul. <laughs> Says who? <Yeah. laughs> Why uh, would you, in your right mind, eat cranberry sauce? Why would you not? 
why would you want to throw up the rest of the night? <laughs> Does anyone you actually ever tried cranberry it? sauce that's not in the paste form? Do they make another kind? <laughs> How do I answer that with a question? <laughs> Have all of you been born in a cave? <laughs> Were you? <laughs> no, that, I have. Oh my goodness! Were you born in the dark ages? <laughs> All I want to do is argue. I don't want to ask questions. Er, try again. <laughs> <laughs> is it wrong to watch the game after you've talked with the family before the game? Who's playing? There's a game going on. <laughs> Why are you cheating? You never said we couldn't. Oh, he's got preloaded stuff. He yeah, does. He has questions written down. I got a list of questions. <laughs> Why didn't you make a list? <laughs> I don't know. I should have. I should have. Very good. Okay. I appreciate that effort. That was great. I'm was only stopping because we, we need to move on for time's sake. Um, okay. So have a new kid. Thursday, part two. Oh, okay. I yeah. will be honest. I can't even remember where we left off. I, I read the whole chapter today. And I'm going to tell you, this is really good stuff, guys. If you've gotten the book... I, I hope and pray, really, that you're reading it. Even if you know, brother Ben, I don't got no kids. Do you got grandkids? Do you have kids that have kids? Uh, this is really, really good stuff. So earlier, he had talked about attitude, behavior, and character. And in this chapter, we've I think we pretty well covered this the last time in part one. Yeah. That he's now talking about acceptance, belonging, and competence. Competence, right? And I remember I, I actually did read this whole chapter. Yeah. Look at and me go. so, and he also uses this chapter to make a differentiation between praise and encouragement. Yes. Now I will confess to you that I have a little bit of pushback in in this. But I, th I think it deals more with me than it does my disagreement with the author, okay? So I, I think for me personally, I would have to spend a lot more time really digging into the weeds of what's the difference between praise and encouragement. And we'll get to acceptance, belonging, and competence here in a minute. But uh, back in the day, I heard a guy introduce this concept that be because Proverbs basically tells you not to flatter someone. And I think that's what he's getting I think so. To. I think so. Because it's been a couple of weeks since I read the chapter, but the, what I got from it, if I remember correctly, was he gave examples of like, here's something you say to your child, like, you're so great, you did this, but instead point out the good that they did instead of fluff uh, talk on You them. work so hard. Yeah, you're so perfect. You're yeah. so perfect. Instead, right. your yeah. work turned out great and it affected this type of thing. So... Uh, and I really think that this is the same thing, because uh, Book Author said, "Flattery, you know, you're so beautiful, you're so strong, you're, you know, you're so tall, whatever." Usually has to deal with stuff you had no control over. Hmm. You know, your eyes are so blue, you didn't do that. Right. You know, uh, and, and the such of that nature. So flattery sets them up for insecurity. Because all those things that you had no control over can be taken from you. My mom told me I look good. You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and so what if the girl that's been told she's pretty all her life gets a big old gash scar across her cheek? She's not pretty no more. You know, well, so you don't want to flatter someone over things that they can't control. You want to, uh, and, and this was the terms he used, you want to praise them for character traits you want to praise them for hard work you want to pray so this guy is now saying no there's a difference between praise and encouragement so i really kind of put praise in this category of flattery and and encouragement in the area of let's pick out what they did that represents character and hard work i, I agree with mm -hmm. that i really do and so basically uh he asks what are you doing as parents to build acceptance, beha uh, belonging, and competence. And, and it's really, really good. So uh, essentially on well, the acceptance... Can I say ahead. real Please. fast on the praise and encouragement thing is that I think too he brought out that praise focuses more on the feelings right. and even like the, the temporary feelings of, you know, if they You're do so something, good, good job, yeah. but that made you feel good. And that's focusing on the feeling that the child has. But instead, if you talk about... Um, like, like you said, what that, whatever they did, how it improved something, mm -hmm. then that it'll be more empowering to them. 
And well, and he gives he gives examples uh, in the book. Praise links a child's worth to what they do. In a child's mind, that means, uh-oh, if I don't do something good all the time, then I'm not worth anything, and mom and dad won't love me. So uh, here's the comments that he would he says would be praise. Oh, Ethan, you're such a good boy. You got an A in math. Oh, that's just wonderful. I can't wait to tell your father. I'm sure he'll take you out for ice cream. And the next one is, you're so smart. You built that Lego tower all by yourself. You're so cute when you do that. I can't wait to show it to the neighbors. You look adorable in that skirt. And so this would be the, the encouraging way to say it. Oh, Ethan, you got an A in math. I know you've been working extra hard in that area. That work really paid off. You'll have to tell your dad about it. He'll be happy to. I love what you built with your Legos. It's very creative and fun. You did it by yourself. What are you going to build next? That's a fun cheer. Where did you learn it? And then lastly, when you went shopping yesterday, you did a great job. That skirt looks good on you. A wise choice. Right. So that encouragement emphasizes the act and not the person. Correct. Correct. Uh, now, so the, the whole idea of acceptance, what are you and I as parents, grandparents, what are we doing to, and he's, he's bringing the difference between self-esteem and self-worth. Self-esteem is, I'm proud of myself. Self-worth is, hey, I, I know outside of myself, some, you know, I, there has been worth placed inside of me. Well, where are they going to learn that? You know, the, the parents are going to make sure that they, those kids know uh, you've got the stamp of the image of God upon you, and that gives you infinite worth. So you don't have to worry about, am I worthy? You are worthy, and we accept you for that. He says, your unconditional acceptance of your child means everything in their development. A child lives up to the expectations you have for them. If by your words and actions you are portraying the thought, you are the dumbest kid I've ever seen, your child would have, will have very self, low self-worth and won't feel like they can accomplish anything. If by your words and actions you are portraying the thought, hey kid, go for it, I know you can do it, you're establishing a healthy self-worth. You know, one of the things that I always like to watch around young parents is the first time that little, that little toddler falls. The parents go, ah! you know. That drives me nuts. Yeah, <laughs> that kid is going to have a very low pain tolerance. The, and I've seen this in several of our parents. Daryl was the latest one that I've seen it in. One of his kids just pretty well face plants. And the first thing he says is, you're all right. You're all right. Get up. <laughs> Kids tough as nails, you know, uh, and, and I'm not saying that you can't be concerned. I mean, I mean, because those don't sharp corners, <laughs> yeah, yeah, are yeah. always. Yeah. A, yeah. Sometimes our kids do stuff that scare us to death. I, I get that, but just as a general rule, you need to build, you know, that self confidence, that toughness, you know, in your kid. Uh, it'll come to me. Brad broke his finger in a practice at football one time, and it was sticking straight the opposite direction it should be sticking and he it was dislocated he runs over to the coach and the coach goes "Ooh, that's pretty <laughs> and he said give me that and, he, and of course brad had never experienced that and the coach grabs the finger and just pulls it you know and it goes right back in place and he goes oh because <laughs> brad's first response was to scream you know Wah! and and the coach's like that feel better oh yeah yeah so anyway just i'm cringing yeah hard so belonging, uh, every time I read this part, I cried uh, because I worried and I, I was trying to figure out, have I, have I convinced my kids that they belong? Have I given them that, and I hate this term because of what our world has done to it, but that safe place that they know I belong here. No matter what happens in my world, what, no matter what happens in my life, I belong here. I can come home and I can get encouragement, I can get acceptance, here, no matter what happens at work or anywhere else, this is my belonging place. And, and I believe I have done that. But, but you know, I, even though I'm a, I'm a hard, crass individual, at least most people think I am, I'm very tender inside and especially towards my children. And I want them to know that I'll move heaven and earth if God will allow me to, to make sure that they belong and that they know that they belong. Well, I'm 30, and I'm still here. So. There you go. <laughs> you at least did good with me. With you. There you go. Amen. Uh, comments on that, guys? 
I did like how he brought out, it's not just like belonging like you're talking about, but also living up to a certain standard. Mm-hmm. Um, they talked about how a 15-year-old Melanie was asked if she wanted to smoke, and she's like, no thanks, we Crayburns don't smoke. Like, it's not just a, a place, but it's also, um, like I said, a standard. You you have a, I don't even know how I'm, how I'm trying to say it. Well, so this is, you know, when, when I go to a place and they offer me stuff that, you know, I shouldn't be doing she for bunches honor of reasons. In her name. Yeah, I, I'll just jokingly say, "Well, if I do that, I have to quit my job." <laughs> you know, and they look at me like oh, I'm a Baptist preacher. You know, uh, and and so I, I have expectations. The church has expectations of me, and the such. I belong here, and I want to belong here, and I want to stay here. And so I, there's certain things I do, and certain things I do not do because of who I belong to. And then that last one, competence. Want to empower your children, question mark? Give them responsibility. When your child takes the initiative to get the job done, whether it's feeding the dog, fixing his bike, making dinner, say good job. Bet that made you feel good inside. If used properly, you see the temporary feel good can be an inspiration to a child to do something again. And it did because your child did something all on his own and he should feel proud of that accomplishment. And there's a whole lot of other stuff we could say here, but... uh, the, the competence, I think, I, you know, most parents will say, I'm trying to produce a child that will give back to society, you know. Well, if they know they're accepted and if they know they belong and they have competence as a result, they're going to contribute to society. Right. So it ends on what can you do on Thursday? What to do know. on Thursday. That didn't sound good. How can you I show your child unconditional <laughs> acceptance? How can you emphasize belonging in your family? In what ways can you spur your child onto competence? Think about the difference between praise and encouragement. What truly encouraging thing can you say to your child today? All right. Dad or John, do you have a pro- pro- do. Uh, Psalms, Psalms or uh, Proverbs? Proverbs, yeah. All right. So, um, yes, yeah, my favorite one. It's Proverbs twenty-seven, seventeen. Iron sharpens iron, as one man sharpens another. So, when that finally clicked with me, my life to this point has kind of made sense. And Ben and I have talked about this thoroughly. <laughs> um, you'll always be being sharpened, whether it's good or bad. Right. So, I would. I would caution you to watch how that is, how you're being sharpened. Right. Because you're being sharpened one way or another at all times. Mm. And a lot of my life, it was not not the correct way. Sure. And I got sharp, just should have been the other way. Right. So it's my favorite good. one. Very good. Uh, amen. Bec- what are we doing on time? We're, We're good. So the that whole analogy... Um, if you've ever sharpened, if you've ever sharpened a piece of metal, uh, the uh, if you're too aggressive, you can remove too much material. Yeah, you can ruin a knife. And you can get it sharp, but you've also, like you said, you've ruined it. You yep. know, type deal. So. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and end this right here. Thank you guys for coming tonight. Make sure you invite your friends, neighbors, and relatives to next week and share the word on your socials. Thank y'all and good night.